My local coffee shop is my Penn State World Campus classroom, giving me the full Penn State experience online. My Penn State classroom is getting me to where I want to be. Click on the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Stephen Jodrand. Joining me today, Jake Watroba and Armaka Five. On today's episode, we have a special announcement and we chat USL Academy Cup. Before we get to today's discussion, follow us on the Twitter machine at UncSamSoccerPod. You can find the show on any major podcast platform, so hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. Now, let's get to today's show. Fellas, Jake, Armand, how are we doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I'm doing pretty good. My voice is a little shot right now. You know, I had a little adventurous night celebrating St. Patrick's Day, but I'm doing well. Jake, how are you doing out there? It's St. Patty's Day. Um, I'm a little loose right now, so we're feeling pretty good. Everything's good right now. Awesome. Well, we got a special announcement, listeners. We have a new contributor joining us. He calls himself the Stephen A. Smith of soccer. He's based in Atlanta. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Home Sweet Soccer. It's Jason. Jason, welcome to the program for your first time, and welcome to our contributing list or contributors list. What's going on, guys? That noise you just heard was about 10 people automatically exiting your app right now uh, in this podcast because <laughs> they are so disappointed <laughs> at the announcement that you just made. Why? Because it's you or because it was just such oh, a yeah, lame announcement? Oh, yeah, because it's me. Oh, yeah, because yeah, it's me. There you and go. I, well, you know, we're here uh, for it. We're here for it. We want the haters. Yeah, like, con- congratulations. You guys now have a scapegoat. You don't have to worry about you getting the mentions and the, the replies. It's all going to go to me. So glad I can help you guys out with that, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Well, there I can't you go. Tell you, Jake, you've been promoted. You, thank you. Thank you. I can't tell you how happy I am that uh, people won't be in my mentions anymore. They'll be in Jason's mentions not, uh, now for anything he says. So make sure you direct all your hate mail to <laughs> at Home Sweet Soccer on Twitter. You can you can direct anything you would send to at Jake Wachroba to at Home Sweet Soccer. <laughs> It's the only thing I have in life. Please. <laughs> there you go. Armand, I still think uh, – Jake will get primarily the targeted hate mail here from the show. Yeah, he'll probably say something that's like, you know, in the off, like we're not really focused on it. And, you know, just make a passing comment like his uh, Bob Lee comment, uh, you know, like a year back. And then someone's going to catch it and just grill him on it. So I'm, I'm just waiting to figure out what the comment's going to be this time. <laughs> Jason, um, you have actually been tweeting the show on, on the Twitter machine at Unksamp Soccer Pod. Uh, listeners, if you haven't followed us yet. 
quite a bit. You you do have some fiery takes and some takes that you disagree with us. But it's, let, let's it's not even takes. Y'all are just wrong. Wrong. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Come on, bring it to us. Let let let's clear the air before we talk about <laughs> USL Academy Cup. Yeah. So, I mean, I know last show you guys talked about the women's national team and their lawsuit, and you're saying that this is something that you would want to bring right before the World Cup. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to have pressure be put on you to perform? Because, right, if this is about getting a pay, all you're going to do is have evidence against you of, God forbid, that you don't perform well, right? The expectation is to go there and win. So if you don't do that, then that's just evidence that they can use and say, oh, well, this is why there's a pay gap, right? And also, who wants to go on a field not knowing what kind of pay they're going to get? You want to put this months in advance while you have the leverage so you can go in there and say, hey, you want us to go out there, represent us, you know, you represent you guys, get this endorsement, sell these jerseys, then you're going to pay us now so we can go out there and do what we do. Like waiting until right before it happens is just a cloud of media mess. It's going to be on their minds. Even if you're a professional athlete, yeah, you're supposed to be able to block that stuff out, but that's not how it works all the time, right? Especially when you have to go walk past all these cameras and then when you're getting interviewed post-game, that's all people want to ask about as opposed to your performance on the field. So no, don't don't sit there and say, oh, well, they need to do that before the World Cup. That's just setting them up for failure. <laughs> Jake, this is all you. I, I don't remember if I said, now somebody can clear the ear on this. I thought I just said, I'm curious as to why they didn't file it, the, the, the lawsuit before the World Cup. I never said they, sh- I don't think I said they should do it before the World Cup. I just was interested in why they chose to do it. Not, obviously, I understand why they did it on International Women's Day, but I just thought, you would get more media attention doing it before, right, right before the World Cup, just because you know how U.S. soccer works. These women will be on Good Morning America and shows like that promoting the World Cup. And oh, by the way, they're suing U.S. soccer because they're they're not getting paid what they think they're worth. That's all I'm saying. But I, is that I, what they want to be promoting right before going to the World Cup? Like, well, is that something that if if like obviously yes they're passionate about and they want that change but wouldn't it be better to just have that settled so then when you are on good morning america and when you're staring at michael strahan's gap you can just talk about (laughs) the expectations on the field and the group of players and show your personality and get those endorsement deals a a part of me thinks there would be a lot more pressure on the federation and i get it what you're how you're coming at it too is in saying that if they're asking for better pay right before the world cup that also puts pressure on the team too to perform in france i also think though with more media attention on the issue it also puts more pressure on the federation as a whole to well the women they win the world cup they they go out and and they get trophies the men what what do the men do besides you know they, they just fail to qualify for russia 2018 you know at least the women go out there and actually win something why aren't they paid more appropriately or why aren't they why aren't they getting more money than what they're currently getting that's that's what i think that's why i thought it might be more beneficial for them to to file a lawsuit maybe a month before the world cup and when the men didn't qualify how long did it take the federation to get a new coach years (laughs) literally an eternity before we got a coach pressure don't mean nothing to that federation yeah but let me let me just ask you this jason if the lawsuit stands on its merits, it shouldn't matter when it gets released. Regardless of the World Cup performance, if the lawsuit has merit, which a lot of people do think so, and I think there is merit to it and there is actual grievances within the lawsuit, 
then the performance of the team in France is absolutely meaningless to the lawsuit. But then you talk about the media. So it might be it might be that way to the merit of the lawsuit itself, but people are dumb. So people are going to go, oh, well, see, they didn't even make it past the second round, so they shouldn't be getting paid equally and blah, 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 blah. And so then that's just more of a media storm that you don't want, right, both the players and the federation. So just get it done. Yeah, but do you really think the federation is going to get it done before the World Cup? I mean, Carlos Cordero had some sort of letter go out. Yeah, talking well, I, about I let's have a meeting. What, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Yeah, I don't. I don't have any faith in the federation. So that's a terrible question to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that's think both it, of I, you. Uh... That's you. Both of you don't have any federa- or any faith in the federation. It, I mean, you can go back and listen to our episodes for the last year, where Stephen basically just takes a dump all over the federation with the the how long it took the coaching hire process you know what i mean well like, it's not just me ask armand armand you you have you've dumped on the federation just as much as i have yeah i mean it's an incompetent non-profit organization what do you want <laughs> like like what, what else do you want they they obviously don't perform and uh, i mean it took them forever to, to figure out what's going on there they had a election quote unquote you know to uh you know click have some quote unquote change and i mean has anything genuinely changed that much? No. And Armand, you're out there in Dallas, right? So you might be aware of the Rodriguez brothers that signed at North Texas. They're mm-hmm. dual citizens. How much do you want to bet that U.S. has not had any kind of real contact with them to try to get them to play for the U.S. side? Or at least try well, to tell them that, hey, we are monitoring you. We feel that you guys can be a very important role for us moving forward. I just don't see any change you know, like you said, years of hiring a coach, and now that the coach is here, we're last minute trying to get players together for the Gold Cup, and we're missing out on other players, and we're bringing in Omar Gonzalez instead for veteran leadership. It just, I don't know. I just have no faith. It's it's funny you mentioned that because we had Hugo Perez on the show what about a year ago or so? Yeah, like basically just dis- discussing the Jonathan Gonzalez saga where he switched from the U.S. to Mexico, and I believe Hugo said that. He, the U.S. never approached him about playing for the national team. Uh, and Armand and Steven, you guys can interject because you guys did that interview. But it kind of reigns true to what Jason just said with the Rodriguez uh, brothers, that the U.S. probably isn't going to approach them about playing for the national team. And, and you got to look at it, you know, with Efren Alvarez, man, for the Galaxy. That guy is a star prospect. And... You know, you, you, you get a little comments, you know, from Burhalter in the press conference in Houston. But is there really an active push? I mean, we saw how they bottled Jonathan Gonzalez and how you had Thomas Rongen, like, saying some lies. Like, man, if you're a dual national, you see that, you're like, what the hell? Like, you're making up lies that you met up with my family and stuff like that, and you want me to join the national team? No way. I mean, that's that could be a completely different episode, just talking about the relationship that the uh, U.S. have with, like, Latino players because it's a disaster right now. As a Trinidadian, U.S. needs to learn from our unfortunate-ass federation and get it together and get the players, right? Because that's why a lot of Caribbean players who are from the Caribbean but have dual citizenship or end up going to Europe, you know, play for England, you know, because they were like, yeah, I don't want to deal with a federation that doesn't even have a handle on its, its own situation, whereas I know if I go somewhere else, 
I know it's going to be flawless. I know that I'm going to be taken care of. I know that people are actually communicating with me and are trying to make an emphasis on me getting playing time. So, yeah, I just hope that the U.S. gets it together because the past four years have been trash. Well, no, no doubt trash, but let me play devil's advocate in, in one particular instance here. The Federation mm-hmm. cannot go around to every star prospect and say, hey, we have a vision for you because the roster is capped at 23 players. You cannot go around to 100 players and say, we have a vision for you in the future. Then you're lying. So then then your words mean absolutely nothing. They already are not doing anything, but you don't want to get to the point where your words mean nothing and everybody just knows that you're lying to my face. Well, then pick up the phone. You don't have to necessarily say, like, when you're not making promises to them, right? It, it means a lot to a teenager to get a call from the federation and say hey we just want to let you know that we're aware of your talent and we're monitoring you and we think that you're something special that's it right keep in touch with their with their youth coaches or whatever club they're at and just handle it that way like you said yeah there's there's a cap you don't we're not promising that you're, they're going to play for the nation, national team but at least give them that kind of attention and that confidence to where they know like wow like this is a goal that I want to achieve I'm actually on their radar and this has happened uh, this happened to me when I was a teenager right like I had a college approach me about playing for them and I knew it probably wasn't going to happen but the fact that they communicated it with me and talked to my dad and tried to set up something to where I can go to a prep school to where I can be scouted better like that meant a lot to me and so for that mm, I will always mm. respect that school no no you're right I mean I'm just playing devil's advocate I'm definitely in your camp here where the federation should just open communication I think Burhalter is starting that communication we just had uh, Roman Gall and he told us that yeah he's had communication with Burhalter. I mean, Burhalter yeah. cannot be on the phone 24-7, but somebody at the Federation, they should command four or five people to reach out and be like, hey, just to let you know, we're, we're keeping an eye on you. Then you put pressure on the individuals to step up their game. It makes everybody better in the whole grand scheme of things. I, I don't know if you guys read like the whole Gonzalez saga, but one thing was the technical director or the yeah, technical director of uh, the Galaxy right now, Dan Ticolose, was kind of just talking about how, like, you know, they went out to dinner with uh, Gonzalez, you know, Juan Carlos Osorio was there. And you have to realize the one thing they said was we never promised him a World Cup spot. And they never promised him a World Cup spot or anything. But with that, with actually reaching out, with, you know, not lies being fed by Thomas uh, – being spread by Thomas Rongen, like, all those things, like, they – it's it's like recruiting in college sports, like exactly what you said, Jason. Like to a degree, and people might hate that aspect. Oh, you must love your country, you know. But as a dual national myself, as Stephen dual national, everyone you know, everyone's dual national. Unless you're a dual national, you kind of just don't understand kind of the the divide, or I don't know if divide is the right word, but you're kind of your your heart's kind of split in half. So I mean, it's kind of like college yeah. recruiting. I get a little bit of the other half to go, you know. And you you should take pride in the people that take pride into you. Right. Mm-hmm. Just because you are part of like you are part of the country, if the country is showing that they're not taking pride in you and they're not acknowledging at your, you know, your accomplishments and your talent, then how it's very difficult to be prideful and keep that pride going when other countries are showing that interest in you. So, yeah, it's it's tough for the kids. I just think better communication and we're in a melting pot. There's way too much talent of way too many nationalities here for us to be missing out on players the way we are. 
No, I, I mean, you're right. And I, you know, we're taking a weird turn to talking about the U.S. men's national team, but we might as well ask this question. Do we think Greg Berhalter is the right man in charge to try to bring the Federation to another level in regards to communication to its players, and especially to the dual nationals that America is only going to see an increase of with more people immigrating to this country? I, I would say, yeah. I, I, I mean, my your first choice, you know, looking through the options that the U.S. had, Juan Carlos Osorio, Oscar Pareja, they, they could really reach out and connect with the dual national, especially, you know, you, you're going to be competing with – many of them competing with Mexico, and they could really reach out to them with their Latino, you know, their Latino, their Latino style play as well. You know, being able to bark orders in English and Spanish, I found that has been really huge, especially in Dallas. Um, but I think Burhalter still has that. And we've seen that, I would, I want to say, throughout. You know, he's been all around watching games. I mean, that's a that's a coach's job, right, to go around and, you know, keep it keep tabs on everyone. But, you know, just right now he was at the Orlando City game. You know, they were playing in Orlando City. He's at the Orlando City game just, you know, watching. I think he said Danilo Acosta – Dom Dwyer and Chris Mueller, and he op- openly said, "Yeah, I was watching." I'm sure he talked to them after the game as well. All these, all these things. I think Burhalter is the right guy, but to, it's not the best. But he's still the right guy. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's an organizational thing. I, I feel like yes, you can have someone to lead it, but it's it's going to take a whole organizational structure and. An effort to make a difference, right? Like right now, did you guys know that the U.S. national team has like a, a diversity council? No. Did you guys know that? No. Yeah. No. Neither do they, because that <laughs> council is up on their website, and there's literally nobody under it. There's zero positions filled. So that's where I think the disconnect is. That's where we're missing the mark. That's where you need somebody to come in and say, "Hey." We need to do an overhaul. We need to change from the bottom to the top, and I'll start it. But unless that person has the right team around them and gets the right support, I think I think you know Bert Halter is great, but it's going to take a lot more than him to flip this around. Yeah. So uh, actually, let's let's move it on, Jason. Do you have any other grievances you have with the show that you just want to throw out there? I just want to say that I checked in on the New York Red Bulls San Jose Earthquakes game yesterday, and it had like. 5,500 viewers on Twitter. So I just, Okay, so it's on par just, with Chicago and Columbus's attendance. What, what do you want? What do you want? I don't know. Me? I don't know. You just you just came at me a little bit, so I just I just want to throw it back at you, you know. I'm just I'm just uh you know, welcome to the show, Jason, by the way. Thank we you. like we're we're we you know, we do banter like this, you know, we yeah. give each other a hard time. So I just want to You came at me on Twitter, so I just got to I, I you know, it's not very often I get the chance to throw it back into somebody's face because you know, majority of the time always, you're wrong. It's it's thrown in my majority of the time it's thrown in my face. So you know you gotta. You or know, you're wrong. Or I'm out. Yeah, I'm outright wrong. Uh, so you know, it, I, the the very few opportunities I have, I gotta take advantage of them. You know, so uh, I just uh, I'm just I don't know. I'm just here I am. Do you do you think <laughs> the average Twitter viewers of the season per game is going to be over ten thousand by the end of the year? That's a great question. One thing I will say, which I didn't know that they did this on Twitter, because I, I did watch a little bit of the Red Bull Earthquake game yesterday. <clears throat> they do, and I don't know how accurate this is, and I'm not sure if this is just the amount of times somebody tunes in and then tunes out and then tunes back in again on Twitter, but they did say viewers on that game. You can see if you, and I'm not sure, you can go in the menu and check it on Twitter. 
it did say, and I'm not sure what the final total was on it after the game ended, but at one point it showed that there was over, I want to say 450,000 viewers on that game on Twitter. And I'm not entirely sure how they calculate that. I mean, that might be them just scrolling down the feed and that's there. And it might, you know, it counts <laughs> that as well. I mean, but you know what, though? That's still exposure for the league. Even if you right, right. are just throwing, are scrolling through, I'm not even sure how you would go about it. If you just punched in the hashtag RBNYVSJ or however they do that on Twitter, that's still good for the league that there's still people just scrolling through Twitter. And oh, by the way, here's a soccer game on. And they yeah. might tune in for five seconds and might turn it off, whatever, I guess. But three, and, time, and think, three times later, they might actually view, watch the game for an extended period of time. And that's, and that's good for MLS. Right. And then you also look at the games that have been on it right now, you know? So they expected Zlatan to be healthy for that Dallas game. He wasn't. So that obviously is going to be a viewership drop. Like they're going to be putting big names on that um, Twitter system throughout the year. So I think it's going to fluctuate. Um, I just I just heard that 10,000, that under 10,000 number and made my ears perk up. So that's why I figured I asked you that question. <laughs> I like it. No, we appreciate yeah, Hey, You know what? I always appreciate when people call me out, you know, because it keeps my ass in check. But uh, <laughs> all right, let's let's talk USL. Should we talk USL? Yeah, let, let's talk about this. Dateline, Tampa, Florida. This is reading off USL soccer.com the united soccer league officially unveiled its vision for the future of the league's academy system on thursday with the announcement of usl academy cup a new competition set to begin this year that will set the stage for the organization's first ever academy league now fellas this is great news yeah i like it i mean that jason knows better than me at least like the teams that have usl or the usl teams that have academies can you list them off, Jason? Just off the top of your head. Oh yeah, all thirty-two. I can, I can easily. I mean, okay, let's go with like the top. Like, let's go with like five. No, I, I don't think I can because this is across all USL, right? right? right. So you have League Two teams like San Francisco Glens. They have an academy. You've got in the Championship Charleston Battery. They have an academy. So this is across multiple, and they have a list of teams. And just because you have a team, I'm not quite sure that means you're automatically going to be able to participate in the cup. I know that. Um, headquarters said that participating clubs are going to be announced in the spring so that'll give everyone a better idea of which teams have academies and which ones are focusing on their academies more than others i personally like i personally like the move i mean any anything to get more academies in the u.s soccer i think is really important uh, especially you know especially in these places where there's no mls teams and we don't know if mls is going to be an open system at any time. So I think having more and more of these academies, having more and more youth development, I mean, it's it can only be good, in my opinion. I, I mean, some teams may be like, oh, I don't know if we can invest that much money into there. And that might be an interesting discussion, but I think overall it's a positive step for U.S. soccer as a whole. Guys, I want to read a quote here from USL CEO Alec Papadakis talking about the USL Academy Cup. He goes on to say, the new platform will also provide a unique way to bring together the top three tiers of the USL, the Championship, League One, and League Two, allowing academy teams from all three levels to compete against one another and provide local youth with a chance to display their potential. So I know you guys were just talking about 
which teams will play each other from which leagues. You know, it it, it, it sounds like it's going to be a melting pot. And I don't know if they're going to have like playing games or playoffs to get to this USL Academy Cup. We don't even know how that's going to work out. But it sounds like they're going to be able to take all these teams from all three leagues, all these academy teams, that is, and just throw them into a pot or into a bracket and just say, go ahead, play each other, knock yourselves out. Yeah, and it's going to be split into two levels. So the U-17s actually are going to have uh, regional qualifiers splitting up in the east and west, and that's going to determine their seating and placement um, in the national tournament. And then the U-13s are only going to compete at the national tournament. They're not going to have any qualifiers. So I think that'll be cool too because then you get an idea to see which academies you know, are being focused on more and have more talented players than others. And um, yeah, it like I think it puts pressure on especially USL championship sides because you don't want to see a League Two team come in and dominate yours during qualifiers. So I'm excited for this. Does this put pressure on MLS? Everything USL has done. We talked to VP of USL League One, what Stephen Short, a couple of weeks ago. Armand and I did, and it, it, every time we talk about USL. Every announcement they make, it's just one other thing pointed at MLS and going, look what we're doing. And you have to commend USL because they're trying new things or they're trying to be progressive and trying to promote a more fluid structure with U.S. soccer. Yeah, I mean, they should be. They should be concerned. This is an opportunity now that where USL is saying we're focusing on development, we're focusing on the kids and they're also focusing on getting paid. And something that this is going to be brought up about, and um, shout out to my guy Phil Grooms from the USL show, because he brought this up a while ago. USL Pro Academies might have that way of getting paid when players end up going to Europe that MLS doesn't right now, right? Because right now, you know, when out, you know, when Davies went to Europe, you know, the their academy got paid, but the youth clubs didn't. And then also when you look at USL, there's a there's a good amount of kids who don't sign pro contracts. They'll play on the USL side at 15, 16 years old, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then they get picked up by Europe and the club gets nothing, right? And a, an example of that, for instance, is at uh, Real, uh, Real Salt Lake and Real Marnix. They had a kid who uh, played with them for... I think a season played a couple games and signed with PSV because he never signed a pro contract, right? His name was a uh, Ledzema or Ledesma. Richie Ledesma. Richie Ledesma. Yep. Yep. And yeah. And so he never got a homegrown deal. And because of that, he got scooped up by PSV and is, you know, a, a talent that everyone knew about, but never got a pro contract. So now with the academies and having pro contracts signed with the academies, this is a chance for these USL teams to make profit off of money that they weren't making before. Uh, One thing I want to bring up too, with this whole Academy thing, uh, USL is also planning on holding workshops for members of technical staffs to share the best practices for developing talent and to discuss long-term development strategies. I want to ask you three, how will this affect the national team in the next, I don't know, eight to 10 years? I mean, it's just going to increase the pool. Uh, that's, I mean, that it. If they are, you know, American players, it's just gonna increase the pool, and I think that's a ma- massive part, especially the youth pool, which means, you know, those youth national teams. I mean, they're already pretty interesting with what you what you see going on, but you know, now you're gonna see more and more of those guys in those youth, youth those youth uh, na- national teams. Like U20s might be interesting, U17s might be interesting, U15s might be interesting. 
just increasing the pool. And I think that's always a, a big part of, you know, when you want to develop a national team, you want the biggest pool as possible. Right now, our pool is kind of meh. Our pool is kind of meh right now. But you just want to continue and have a bigger pool. And the only thing this can do is having more academies, you're just increasing how many, how many, what you can choose out of basically. Yeah, I just wanted to add one more thing before I answer this question uh, from USLsoccer.com, the same article. More details on the USL Academy Cup format, conference alignment, and participating teams will be announced later this spring. So obviously details uh, still to come. But as far as impacting the national team, I- I'm with our minds. It's going to increase the net, increase the pool. Now, will we get more talented players? Remains to be seen. You know, I kind of think that, and what I was saying earlier about why MLS um, teams and academies should be kind of looking at this with a little worry is because I do think we might find more talent because now we are not overlooking players in areas that don't have MLS academies, mm-hmm. right? So now you have players who, I mean, you look at the Midwest right now, it's just wide open, right? There's there's really no MLS teams and there's barely any USL teams there, but now with league two and now with league one and both being planned league one, they, they want to have 40 uh, clubs in that league at, at one, you know, at, by the time the years go by and they want to set up a system. So now we have an opportunity to where I think a lot more kids aren't going to be overlooked. You look at what Tormenta FC is doing. They just announced that they're starting their own academies, uh, starting with players who are literally two years old to pro. And that's going to be all throughout the South Georgia region, right? So it's not just in Statesboro. You've got some in other places. And I know from living in Atlanta that, yeah, those places get overlooked all the time. So will we find more talented kids? You don't know, but at least this gives the opportunity now for kids who are getting overlooked. If there's a new League Two team or League One team in that area and MLS is nowhere in sight and there's not going to be any kind of affiliation, then, yeah, this is a chance that we start finding kids that we didn't know existed. And also for a lot of players, I mean, some of them have to move. When you talk about Chris Richards, he moved from Alabama to play for the FC Dallas Academy. You know, some people can't do that. So, I mean, as Jason was talking about, you give more opportunities to where there's no MLS team, in there, MLS Academy in the area. You're giving them more opportunities, you know, for people who can't really afford to move because, you know, they're, cause their kid is uh, playing academy soccer. I mean, not a lot of people not a lot of people can really do that. And you give that opportunity in those places where you know there isn't a mls team you're just expanding the talent pool or the the pool like i'm saying just all it is is about increasing that pool so that's always a positive for u.s soccer yeah armand i mean a lot of talk 18 world cup was about kids falling through the cracks and how do we capture those kids that fall through the cracks and i think what usl is doing right now or is trying to do at least, is capture those kids that fall to the cracks, put them into an academy, and see what comes out after a year or two in development. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens there. But that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at UncSamSoccerPod. Make sure you follow our new contributor, Jason, at Home Sweet Soccer. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Jodoran, Armand Kafai at Armand Kafai, and you can follow myself at Jake Watroba. For Stephen, for Armand, for Jason, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next time. Deuces.
The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.